Lord, uh, we do give to you uh, your, uh, we give to you thanks and praise for all that you have done for us in this uh, mercy which you have given to us. Lord, we have sung of your goodness. We have heard of, of your mighty works, uh, not only in song, but also in, in uh, how you're working through missionaries like the Smiths and how you're working through our own congregation. Lord, each of these are signs of your goodness and your faithfulness. And Lord, we thank you that when you call, that you're faithful. And Lord, today you are, you are calling us to hear your word, but not just to hear and then walk away forgetting what we have heard, but doing what we've heard. Not just being hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So I pray in Jesus' name that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit that your Holy Spirit would do the work of convicting us. And your Holy Spirit would do the work of confirming in us the promises which you've given in Jesus Christ and in, the, and in the word of the gospel. Lord, we come before your word because we, we, we need, we need it, its wisdom and we need the life that comes through it. Lord, your word isn't, isn't just a novelty or something that that uh, tickles our ears or makes us feel good on the inside, but it's, it's truly something that, that imparts life and, and, and it helps us to, to live for you in, in the nitty-gritty and the difficult uh, things that we go through in life. So Lord, I pray that we would be a people that are standing on your word, standing on, on the truth and the promises that it contains and uh, living according to it. So we, we pray that you would give us your Holy Spirit. So in the name of Jesus, we, we pray and we ask these things. Amen. Do you please stand as, as we read God's word today? We stand for the reading of scripture because it's a sign of respect that we're standing uh, here in, in God's presence as God speaks to us in his word. So today we're, we're looking at James chapter 1 verses 19 through 27. This is the second part in our sermon series through the letter from James, a call to action. Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Here ends the reading of God's word. You may be seated. 
We have a problem. We have a problem. I have a problem. You have a problem. Every Christian has a problem. And that is, is that we don't always live out what we believe. We don't always live out what we believe. We, we confess one thing and oftentimes the, uh, the very thing that we, that we confess is, is a contradiction to the way that we live our lives. Many who study cultural trends surrounding Christianity see young adults leaving the church because our confession of Christ doesn't match our lifestyle. Too many people who claim to be followers of Jesus are not living as a reflection of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And Mahatma Gandhi, and I'm in that too, Mahatma Gandhi famously said, he famously said this, and I have a, a quote for you on the screen. I don't know where Alyssa is, but he said, I like your Christ. He says, I like your Christ. He's very uh, attracted to Jesus. Then he says, I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. So this isn't uh, a new problem. This is a problem that's existed since the time of the early church. When James wrote his letter to the churches dispersed wherever they were dispersed to. You see, a watching world witnesses a, a disparaging discrepancy between Jesus and those who claim to be Christians. Now we need to understand, we're not the Savior. Christians are not the Savior. You and I, we are not the Savior. The church isn't the Savior. But we ought, as the church, as Christians, are to bear witness to the Savior in the way that we live our lives. So a watching world, they're looking and they're wondering, what is going on with the church today? What's going on with, with the way people are living and even how they treat one another? And how they, they talk about each other, the, the words that they use towards fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So when James wrote, he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he, was con he had this concerned in mind. You see, James didn't write his New Testament letter that bears his name out of a concern of the church misunderstanding salvation. You know, when, when the Apostle Paul, when he wrote his letters, he had this concern that, that, um, that, that the believers misunderstood the truths of salvation. That salvation is by grace, through faith, apart from the works of the law. And so Paul wrote and he explained the gospel. That we're not saved by what we do, but we're saved by grace through faith. Alone. In Jesus. But, but James doesn't write with that concern. He writes with, with this concern of, of how we're living out the salvation which is freely given to us. He's concerned about our lives as Christians. He's concerned about godliness and holiness, our sanctification. So those of us who have received Jesus as Savior as a free gift of grace, we need to be reminded that we have not only received Jesus as 
Savior, but we've also received Jesus as Lord. He's your Savior. And he's your Lord. He is Savior and Lord. And for him to be Lord means that he calls the shots in your life. For him to be Lord means that, that he is, he is um, he's your master. He's the boss. So I just want to emphasize, we don't do these good works to earn salvation. We don't do these good works to earn salvation. We do good works in the name of God um, and for the benefit of our neighbor because we have received salvation. Because we've received salvation as a free gift of his grace. And because we've received this amazing gift of salvation from Jesus Christ, it is our joy to serve him and to live a life that's a reflection of his holiness and his goodness in everything that we do. So, so I, I pray that you, you, you don't miss this because it's so easy for us to miss this that, that so many people believe that they have to do good works in order to be saved. That they have to live holy lives to be saved. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that salvation is a gift that comes by grace through faith. And what follows that gift, what follows that promise, what follows that new life is a life that's lived in a way that's pleasing to him and for the benefit of our neighbors. Did you know that the person who receives the gift of salvation is a new creation? You're a new creation in Christ Jesus, created in him to do good works. And more than that, you're, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're empowered by him to do those good works. So James, he, he brings his letter to us and he holds the, the truth of God's commands up to us like a mirror. Did you know that mirrors are important? Mirrors give us an accurate picture of reality. When we look into the commands of God, we're looking at reality. When we look into God's word, it's, it's to look at a perfect reflection of reality. God's reality, which governs humanity. So we teach that the commandments are like a mirror. The commandments are like a mirror in which we see God's reality, but we also see ourselves. And we see that we're sinners. And that we need a Savior. We also can see within the mirror of the commandments, are we a reflection of Jesus' holiness? Or are we a reflection of our old sinful nature? So I, I want to, uh, to, to, I want for us to think today and to study today this question, how do we look into the Word of God in a way that a person would look into a mirror? Or how do we look into the Word of God in, in such a way that we grow in our Christian walk? Well, there's three things. And I, th I think they're, they're really basic. And, and I, th I think that we, we should all know this by now, but, but it bears repeating. Number one uh, is read God's word. 
If you're not reading the scriptures, then there's no way you're ever going to get anything out of the scriptures. And there's no way the Holy Spirit is going to do this, this continual work of, of, of sanctification or of making you more like Jesus. So read God's word. Read the Bible. And then number two is, is pray for a teachable attitude. Pray that God would, would soften your heart and that he would give you a teachable attitude. And then uh, live it out. So three things. Read God's word. Pray for a teachable attitude and live it out. So first of all, read God's word. Read the Bible. Now if you grew up in church, you have the benefit of, of hearing this, this story. The story of the, of the wise builder and of the foolish builder. You probably remember singing that song in Sunday school. Here, who here remembers in Sunday school singing the song about the wise and the foolish uh, builder? Well, I think it, it bears repeating. I, I, I think it's important, even though this, this account from Matthew chapter 7 is so familiar to us, and you've heard it over and over again, I think we need to hear it again. And we need the truths of, of what Jesus is saying to sink into our hearts again. Because as soon as, as we think that we don't need to hear these things anymore, I think that we, that there's something wrong. There's something really wrong with us. If we think that we don't need to hear this anymore. So Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27. Look very, listen very closely and let the Holy Spirit uh, plant this in your heart. Matthew 7 24. Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Hears these words. You get it? Hears these words and what? Puts them into practice. Hears these words and puts them into practice. Is like what? A wise man who built his house on the rock. And this happens all the time. Verse 25 is, is life. The rain, the rain came down. Problems come. The streams rose. The winds blew and beat against that house. The storms of life are a reality for each and every one of us. Yet that house did not fall. Because it had its foundation where? On the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and what does not put them into practice is like what? A foolish man who built his house on sand. Same thing happened. The rain came down. The streams rose. The winds blew and beat against that house. And what happened? It fell with a great crack. So important, church, so important that we read God's word, the Bible. James in James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James 1.25 again, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. How do I read the Bible in this way? How do I read the Bible in this way? Might I suggest something? That when you go to a passage of Scripture, that you not just read it once, but that you read it again, and that you read it again, and that you read it again, 
Read the passage once. Take a section of any portion of the scriptures. Then read it again. Then, then slow way down. And pay attention to every sentence. Every clause. And every word. Pay careful attention. Martin Luther, the reformer, said this. If you picture the Bible to be a mighty tree and every word a little branch... He says, I have shaken every one of these branches because I wanted to know what it was and what it meant. So when you read the the passage of scripture the first time, you you get the big picture of the tree. But then as you get closer into that passage, you you begin to see different details. And then as you pay attention closely to each and every word, it's like shaking every branch and seeing everything that is there. About the tree. And so this is something that, that I like to teach confirmation. Is when you don't understand a word. Look it up in a dictionary. It's hard to read a passage of scripture. And if you don't know what the words mean. And an English dictionary actually is an awesome tool for Bible study. Because it actually does a good job of defining even uh, Christian and uh, uh, theological terms. But slow down. Read it carefully. And even, uh, even pray what you read when, when something challenges you or convicts you. Pray about it. When, when a promise comforts you and encourages you, thank the Lord for it in prayer. Let your time of Bible reading be a time of, of fellowship with the Lord. Where he speaks to you through his word and where you speak to him. In this way, God's word truly is planted in you. It takes root in your heart and in your soul. And another thing that's important is is we should never uh, allow Bible study to only be an individual thing. Just me and Jesus. That's a great thing. Just you and Jesus with the word. But it it should also be a, a thing that's shared in fellowship with other believers. Because I believe that we're more blessed in our study of God's word when we're with other believers in times of fellowship. And this is why we offer life groups. And this is why we offer Bible studies and classes. Sometimes you need other mature believers to help you as you read God's word. So God's given us this gift of his word. Take it. Read it. Pray it. Meditate upon it. So number one is read God's word. Read the Bible. And then number two, pray for a teachable attitude. Pray for a teachable attitude. Lord, I pray this all the time. Lord, give me the attitude of Christ. I need his attitude in my life because so often I don't have this teachable attitude. And I believe that James is concerned about our attitudes, not just outward actions. You know, it's easy for us to go out and and, and to to follow the letter of the law, to do everything, to do all the right actions, but to to have a a bad attitude. Our hearts aren't right. And James says, 1, 19 through 20, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. 
Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God requires. Amen. And if our, uh, our hearts need to be in the right place. Yes. They need to be in the right place. You, you see, if, if you're like me, really opinionated, and you get angry really easy, it, it, uh, it clouds uh, your ability to hear God's word. So we need to confess before the Lord and ask God for forgiveness and ask the Holy Spirit to have a teachable attitude. The person with a hard heart might sit and listen to a sermon, right? Or, or, or that person may open a portion of scripture, but they're not impacted by what they hear or read. It has no impact in their life. Because their heart isn't in the right place. They don't have a teachable attitude. And so the sermon does nothing for them. And and the scripture reading does nothing for them. So we need to ask the Lord for a teachable heart. A teachable attitude. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says. Is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after forgetting, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So, number one, read God's word, the Bible. Number two, pray for a teachable attitude. And then number three, live it out. Live it out. When it comes to living out God's word, I want us to think of three things. Three things. Mouth, hands, and heart. Mouth, hands, and heart. First of all, the mouth. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 through 37, we read, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Pay attention to what comes out of your mouth, because what comes out of your mouth is really what your heart is full of. Verse 35, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment. Oh man, this is tough. On the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. That's truth. You will have to give an account. For everything that comes out of your mouth. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. This really takes us to the eighth commandment. I thought it would be good as we go through James. I was thinking to go through some of these commandments as the commandments are brought up. But to reinforce what we've learned in, uh, through Luther's catechism. And what we're learning now in adult Sunday school and what the confirmation students are learning as they study the catechism. This takes us to the Eighth Commandment. And the Eighth Commandment is you shall not lie. When Luther explains the Eighth Commandment in the small catechism, he gives an explanation that's going to surprise us. Because oftentimes I think, I'm not really, I I think I'm a truthful person. So at face value, I, I think I'm doing good when it comes to the Eighth Commandment. But in Luther's small catechism, uh, we're we're convicted more deeply when we really come to understand the full scope of what 
the Eighth Commandment includes. In the Eighth Commandment, he says that we should fear and love God so that we do not misrepresent, betray, lie about, nor slander our neighbor. But this, but defend him, speak well of him, and say the kindest things we can about all he does. Another German translation from the German is this, and put the best construction on everything. And put the best construction on everything. What have you been hearing from brothers and sisters in Christ lately? Not just outside there. It's, it's, it's expected out there, but what about in here? Or what's been coming out of your mouth lately? Don't forget Matthew chapter 12. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. James says those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongues do what? Deceives themselves. And their religion is what? Worthless or vain. King James. (laughs) So mouth. Mouth. Be careful. What's coming out of your mouth. So number one is mouth. Number two is hands. Hands. And James says this, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. In other words, what are we doing with the resources that have been placed into our hands? Are we helping those in need within the community? Are we looking after Orphans and widows in their distress, those who are downtrodden within the community. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is to look after orphans and widows. And this takes us to the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment. What is the fifth commandment? Thou shalt not murder. I think that each and every one of us would say, yeah, we're, we're doing well there. None of us have, have murdered yet. <laughs> At least we, we have this one down, right? No. Martin Luther is going to give us the full scope of what the fifth commandment entails. So Luther explains the fifth commandment in this way. This means that we should fear and love God so that we do our neighbor no bodily harm, nor cause any suffering, but what? Help and befriend our neighbor in every bodily need. Help and befriend our neighbor in every bodily need. Man, this is a convicting sermon. When we neglect to help our neighbors, in God's eyes, we're guilty of breaking the fifth commandment. 
So church, this is why we intentionally collect food for the Edmond School District. This is why we house the homeless in our church building on the coldest nights of the year. This is why we, we uh, help with, with the homework club at Somerset Village Apartments. A church that has no concern with social needs, that church's religion is, is vain or, or worthless. So hands, what are you doing with the resources that God has placed in your hands? So we have mouth, we have hands, and now we have heart. And James says in James 1, 27, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. To keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Most churches will run to one extreme or the other. They'll, they'll focus on the hands part, on, on the social justice issues of, of doing good. But they'll neglect godliness and holy living. Or the opposite, they'll, they'll only focus on, on, on godly living and then they'll completely forget about the needs of their neighbor. And you know within our, within our history with the church of the Lutheran brethren, we come out of something that's called Lutheran pietism, which really had this strong focus on holy living. Those of you who grew up here in the Church of Lutheran Brethren, you may have remembered a time when going to the movie theater was a big no-no, or playing cards was a bad thing. I remember I went over to a uh, former seminary president's house, and uh, I mentioned something about playing cards, and I got a really dirty look. And she said, we don't play cards. And I said, well, I was, I'm talking about Skipbo. And she said, oh, I love Skipbo. <laughs> so so we, some, some, some churches have this focus on living a godly and a holy life. And that was a good thing because they were concerned about Lutherans that, that, that didn't live out the Christian life. Their lifestyle didn't match their, their confession. But then there are others that say it doesn't matter how you live just as long as we take care of, of the poor. But the Bible never pushes us to one side or the other. Politics wants us to, to go to one side or the other. But the Bible doesn't. And really our confessions reinforce this reality, especially in, in Luther's teaching on the commandments. It's both a concern for those suffering in society and a concern for godly living. It's a holistic approach to care for the poor and to not allow ourselves to be polluted by the world. James is concerned that our hearts will be polluted by the world, that we would participate in an ungodly lifestyle, and that, that lifestyle that reflects the decay of our world rather than the life that Christ has imparted to us. So he's concerned for the poor, but he's also concerned that our lifestyles, our lifestyles of holiness and godliness. So when I look at my life, when I think of my, my mouth and my hands and my heart, <laughs> all of them, my mouth, my hands and my heart are so often 
used to profane God's name rather than to honor God's name? What hope is there for for me, a person like me? Well, the same hope that we give to the unbelievers, the message of the gospel is the message that you and I need. We need the message of the gospel proclaimed to us too. That heaven is a free gift. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. Each and every one of us are sinners. And there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. God is merciful. He doesn't want to punish you. But he's also just. And he must punish sinners. So what hope is there? He sent Jesus. Jesus who is true God and true man. To go to the cross. Some of you are at the evangelism conference for evangelism explosion. uh, Yesterday. Imagine if if this uh, phone had enough information on it to, to videotape my entire life. Everything that I've ever said or done, and more than that, it had some supernatural ability to record everything I've thought. How many of you would want that video shown in front of everybody for everybody to see? Everything. Everything in your life. None of us would, right? Because, because the things that have come out of our mouths and the things that are in our hearts and the things that we've done with our hands have not glorified God. But, but Jesus, who is, who, is, uh, who is true God and true man, he wants to have this relationship with us. God wants to have a relationship with us. But there's this, this sin that separates us from him. And I can try to do a lot of things. I can try to, try to make some adjustments in my life. I can try to turn my life around. And, but here, here's the reality. The sin is still there. Or I can try to pile up all of these good works. But the sin is still there. Right? So why did Jesus come? Jesus, who is true God and true man, came so that he would die upon the cross. Taking my sin upon himself. And he was buried, and he rose from the dead. And now through what he did for me on the cross, my sin, my profane way of living, has been removed. So you may may read James and be deeply convicted in your heart. The only hope you have is in Jesus alone. The only hope you have is in Jesus and love. And the good news is that this message, this message of grace through faith alone in Jesus by his shed blood, him taking our sins upon himself, taking our sins away, is the only thing that's going to motivate us and empower us to live out this life which we've been called to live. If I try to go out and do this without God, I'm going to fall flat on my face. But with Jesus, with his Holy Spirit, Empowering me. Church is a powerful force. Powerful force for good and a powerful force for witness in the world. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is truth. 
Oh, Lord, it's, it's good to have Bishop and Pastor Sandy here with us today. Thank you for bringing them. Lord Jesus, thank you for bringing all of us together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are doing a good work in us. And Lord Jesus, you're the only one who can bring it to completion. And so, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty and powerful name, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, do this work in our hearts. Lord Jesus, that you would bring us uh, on our knees with humble hearts, right attitudes before your word. You would then empower us to do it, to live it out in what we say, what comes out of our mouths, with our, with our hands, that we would help those in need, and with our hearts, that we would seek to live a life, purity, according to your word. Lord, we thank you that you're merciful and gracious, that you sent Jesus. And it's by faith alone that we receive these things. It's by faith alone. So strengthen our faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.